I spent the last week with family in Wisconsin, and for most of the week, there were 10 of us, five adults and five kids, um, all together for most of the day. And we spent a lot of time around the table together. And with 10 of us there, it was chaotic. Everybody had an opinion about something. All the kids eat differently and are picky about different things. It was chaotic. It was wonderful. It was loud. Um, and when I came home, um, I've been dealing with some hand pain uh, for the last couple of months. And a week ago, I had an MRI. Uh, this is my first ever MRI. And uh, in contrast to this time in Wisconsin, it was unbelievably quiet and relaxing. Uh, it wasn't really quiet. There's all kinds of beeps and buzzes and hums in an MRI machine. Um, but it was all unintelligible white noise. So it felt relaxing. It felt quiet. Um, it went by way too fast. And just as they were pulling me out of this little tube, I felt like I was just beginning to enter like a deeply relaxed state um, in contrast with the wonderful but chaotic time jam-packed with family. Um, this felt like it was a space where I could kind of sit and experience uh, kind of what's happening on a deeper level in my life. Um, it was a space of listening for me. Listening is at the heart of almost everything that the scriptures say about wisdom. Uh, we've been on this journey of wisdom for almost a month now, and, and listening is a key part of this journey. Listening is a required and unavoidable step. Um, it's also really difficult. Humans have a hard time listening uh, for a few reasons. Uh, we live in a noisy world. We talk about this a lot. The world is getting more noisy, not less noisy. Today might be the loudest day the world has ever experienced, and tomorrow will be a little bit louder. Uh, it's hard for us to listen, uh, partially because of how our brains work. Part, part of our brains prefers and likes the status quo. Uh, there's a Harvard psychologist na named Mazarin Banaji, um, and she wrote a book called Blind, Blind Spot, which is essentially about the neurology of bias. And she talks about what she has called mind bugs which are essentially systematic and ongoing errors in how our brain processes information, which in part leads to this universal human condition called bias. It's an inability to see or think our way beyond a subconscious assumption or reaction. There's literally things that our brains will see, information will see and process incorrectly. And that's because our brains prefer a kind of status quo the way things are. It's just easier for us cerebrally, neurologically, to maintain the status quo in a lot of ways. And the thing is that following Jesus on the way of wisdom invites us to listen beyond ourselves, not just recirculate current information and reinforce the status quo. When Jesus invited his followers to repent and believe, he wasn't just inviting people to shed a few pieces of their life that weren't working, but to open up to a holistic transformation of their entire being. There was one famous conversation Jesus had with a kind of a key religious leader of his day. And Jesus told this guy that to live in God's kingdom requires the equivalent of starting life from scratch, being born again, learning a whole new way to live as a human. That's what the way of Jesus, the invitation of God requires of us. And we see this in the wisdom literature over and over again in Proverbs. There is this repeated invitation to listen. And it's often framed relationally. So the first opening chapters of Proverbs are written 
um, from a parent to a child. So we hear phrases like, listen, my son, pay attention, my child. The invitation is to catch and to hold on to knowledge. And it's a knowledge, it's a wisdom that's being shared across a generational line in a family. That's how it's presented relationally from a parent to a child. Wisdom, we've talked about this, is depicted as the sacred feminine character who speaks to all of creation, all of humanity, with an intimate knowledge of humanity, a working relationship with all of creation. So wisdom says, I was there at creation. I know you. I cry out to you. Take my instruction. Listen to this from Proverbs 8 into chapter 9. We'll start at chapter 8, verse 32, and go to 9, verse 6. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Wisdom has built her house and she has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of wisdom and insight. When you hear those verses, what do you hear? What do you hear uh, this proverb, this poem saying about listening and the role of listening on the way of wisdom? There's a few things um, that I think uh, kind of rise to the surface for me in this. Wisdom's invitation is to come eat my food and drink the wine that I have mixed. We live in a world of choices, in a world of abundance. There's so many choices. There's like a huge spread of food laid out before us. And wisdom invites us to choose from that spread a particular diet, a particular menu, and to see what happens, trusting that the result of choosing a specific diet from that spread will be good. Not just nutritious and healthy and good for us, but enjoyable and rich. Wisdom says, come eat my food and drink the wine that I've mixed for you. And then there's this repeated invitation to listen. The Hebrew word for listen is the word shema, and it's often translated just to hear or to listen, but it also means to respond and obey. And in the Hebrew language, it's the singular word for hearing and listening and obeying. There's no separation in Hebrew between hearing and responding, listening and putting into practice. It's all one concept integrated together. You live out what you hear or you're not actually hearing it. So the way of wisdom invites us to listen beyond ourselves in such a way that we live a new way because of our listening. Something shifts, something changes as a result of what we hear. It doesn't seem like that's a practice that's built into most of our cultural frameworks, whether it's the American dream or how we conceptualize the good life. We build frameworks for our life that are built on habits and patterns and practices that reinforce a particular status quo. More often than not, that status quo involves safety and security for ourselves 
an image management that preserves a particular veneer or shell or shadow, which kind of covers up or hides or protects the part of us that's most vulnerable, our true self. And instead, it continues us leaning forward on a path of our own understanding. But wisdom's invitation is entirely different. Wisdom says, lean not on that cultural path that pedestals affluence and image and reputation and safety and security. Wisdom's invitation is onto a different path. It's a journey that's forged into what often feels like an unknown, a way that's marked by trust in something or someone beyond or other than us. Wisdom is not just an idea to master. Jesus as Lord is not just a belief that we hold in our brain. The way of Jesus and the way of wisdom invites us to listen beyond ourselves. Our lives spin really loudly and really fast. And the way of wisdom, if we allow it, can guide us into the life that Jesus calls the good life, the abundant life. A life that's marked by the pervasive presence of God's peace. And sometimes it feels like wisdom acts like a steering wheel, slowly shifting our course so that we don't veer off in the wrong direction. But other times it feels like wisdom acts like a croquet mallet that's jammed into a spinning bicycle wheel. And we are forced to stop really fast and we need to find a new direction. We need to get our sense of orientation again because we have been stopped in our tracks. I've had experiences that are both so profound and so random that looking back, they're hard to believe that they even happened. Sometimes wisdom acts like that. Wisdom shows up in different ways in different seasons. I'm struck by this image in Proverbs 8 of watching daily at wisdom's door, waiting at wisdom's doorposts. The Hebrew idioms here um, are romantic images. This invitation in, in the Hebrew language, it's an invitation to wait like you'd wait for someone that you're falling in love with, someone that you're smitten with. In the scriptures, wisdom is more than an intellectual exercise. It's more than gaining head knowledge or street smarts. It's about our affections and our longings and our willingness to realign our whole life around this thing that we're falling in love with. How might we watch and wait for wisdom? How do we anticipate both the arrival of wisdom and the necessary disruption of wisdom? When you're in love, you're willing to give things up and shift and change how you live your life because of how you feel about this other person. On the way of wisdom, things won't be the same. And that's not an easy thing, but it's a good thing. The way we listen to someone we love is different than we listen to someone we're just learning from. When you're in love, when you're falling in love, you listen in a deeper and more holistic way that's open to transformation and open to shift and open to disruption. Tonight for a practice of quiet, I'm going to invite us to shift our posture a bit. In the cultural space that we live in, we oftentimes find ourselves sitting in chairs or sitting in rows like this. Um, in a posture of consumption from a distance. We watch a movie, we watch a play, we watch a show, kind of sitting back and, and critiquing. We listen to lectures like this. But listening beyond ourselves uh, might require of us a different posture, a posture of hunger, a posture of eagerness, leaning in, dependency. 
And that posture might look different for everyone. Uh, but tonight I'm going to invite us, if it's possible, uh, into a posture that has us kneeling. Um, kneeling may not work for you. You might just want to lean forward in your seat. But this posture of kneeling is there's something expectant. There's some sense of dependency and urgency and, and getting down in a different posture and kind of leaning in or kneeling towards something. So in the space of quiet, and this is how we're going to end tonight, I will take a few minutes in this space of quiet um, and ask these questions. Just kind of sit with these questions, lean into these questions. God of wisdom, what would you have me see? What would you have me taste? or touch, or smell, or hear. And God of wisdom, what is your invitation?